Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Cynthia Cherish Malloran, Reverend DJ Cherish the Love, and you are listening to Primary Food on Heritage Radio Network. So before I forget, let me tell you how to reach out to me and get my attention on social media. Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at DJ Cherish the Love. That is spelled L-U-V and hashtag using primary food or heritage underscore radio and hashtag RevLove. So the name of the show is called Primary Food, and what does that mean? So the food that you eat, what you had for lunch, what you had for dinner, what people are having here at Roberta's, we consider that to be secondary food. Primary food being everything else in life that nourishes you before you sit down to eat. So what does that look like? That's like your relationships, your workplace, your spirituality, your physical activity, your creativity, your musicality, you know, that kind of stuff that nourishes you before you eat. And I found that when I maintained through my cancer treatment, a high quality of primary food and good interactions, that my secondary food considerations were so much better. And that's just something that you will learn, especially if you attend Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And I have with me today a guest who is a fellow classmate, a fellow holistic health coach, Christine Walsh-Egan, who wrote this book called The Healthy Girl's Guide to Breast Cancer, a memoir of my one-year unthinkable journey. That sounds familiar. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. So tell us about what it was like to write this book. Wow. Uh, to write the book, it really started out as a blog. Okay. And so I, my cancer, I had cancer over five years ago. So that was really before Facebook was what it is now. Ah. So it, I, I created this blog, which was a way for me to tell everybody what was going on without me having to tell them. And after every treatment or every doctor's office, I would update a group of people um, mm. with my blog. And the blog kind of turned into the book. That's amazing. So you were writing, just like I was, writing the book as we went along. Yes. But unknowingly. Mm. It wasn't like I was really writing a book. I was really just updating people on what was going on. And then as I was kind of going along, people would just ask me these really bizarre questions. And I'd be like, okay, I get this. Like, the universe is pushing me to, like, tell my story and share my secrets of cancer <laughs> that nobody else talks about. What's a bizarre question? Okay. I've had some All myself right. that share. One of the, the one that really pushed me to write the book was, was my breast black and charred after radiation. Black and charred. Black and charred. So the fears that women have about treatment, they were asking you. Yeah, and the funny part was, is the woman that asked me was a very intelligent 
young woman. Mm. Like this wasn't like it wasn't like from like someone from another generation who really yeah. just didn't know or like a young kid who just thought like radiation just you know blackens your body. It was a woman um in her early 40s who really just asked me is your breast tissue black and charred now? Well, I think fears can create really interesting images. Mm-hmm. So I know so, your breast does not get black and charred. No, it doesn't. Maybe the steak or burger you ate might, but <laughs> not that. So I like one of your taglines here that you want to live healthy on your own terms. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, I um, had been eating really healthy for over 25 years um, prior to being diagnosed So in my early 20s, after college and living on my own, I realized that cake came from another place other than a box. Hmm. I didn't Mm -hmm. understand that scratch cake meant something other than a Duncan Hines box. Hmm. Um, And then I started experimenting with food. I didn't know that food came um, that didn't just come from a can or a bag of frozen vegetables. Hmm. I just was not, didn't grow up that way. Um... I grew up with, um, you know, sweets in the morning, whether it was a Drake's coffee cake or mm. a yodel. <laughs> she's, um, she's like whispering <laughs> it like it's naughty. <laughs> I, 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 I don't even know the last time I've even seen one, but I, I didn't grow up, you know, eating fruits and vegetables. Um, it was something that I, I came to, you know, in my mid-20s after college where I was cooking for myself on my own and just started experimenting with foods and realized that there was a connection with how I felt at work the mm. next day based on what I was putting in my body. And what was the trigger? Did you feel, did you hit a wall? Did you... No, I was just, so I was, I was living in Michigan and I was with just a different crowd of people. Uh-huh. I was with women who ate salads and had hummus and, you know, went to the Greek restaurant and experimented with foods that, you know, I wouldn't normally eat. And um, the really ironic part is I was working for McDonald's Corporation at the time. That is pretty ironic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my first hummus. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I was in my early 20s. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I had a pretty standard American diet, um, and I had pretty much the fatigue and misery that came with that. And um, it didn't come clear to me until I was working, um, you and I are ex-advertising agency yes. folks. I remember sitting and thinking, why am I so tired as I'm holding a 32-ounce soda on yeah. my desk? And I said, could it be this? Yeah. Yeah, it was that. That was only a part of it. So you are also a holistic health coach. Yes. So just like you and me, the irony of having a healthier mindset and eating well, but getting diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. How did people receive that? I know how they received it on my end. There was actually kind of, uh, I'd coined this term, health bullies. Mm. Some, people's, some people who said to me, actually, maybe you weren't really eating healthy like you said. Mm. I said, well, I can tell you I was vegan mm-hmm. and then I was vegetarian and then I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. So how did people react to you? Well, I really didn't share my cancer story till after. Mm. And it wasn't on purpose. It was um, because I was so uh, mindful of my energy 
and who I wanted to share that energy with, especially while I was undergoing treatments, that I really didn't share um, what was going on in my life other than on that blog. Uh And the blog really went to family and friends. It really didn't go to everybody in my community as it would, you know, like I said, Facebook was different back then. So how did you go from that to being a Balboa Press Hay House author? The um, a big jump. Again, the book was intended for uh, to have ten copies. Okay, that was my goal. My goal was to have ten physical copies of my book and uh, just have them for family and friends. Okay, yeah, and, and it, it's gone way beyond that. How did it go from ten to what it is now? Um, I love this story. Well, I realize that I really am on a on a mission now to help women redefine what it means to be healthy or to and to feel healthy. That true health goes way beyond that green morning juice and running off to a yoga class. Well, let's talk about that. So the complete picture of health. What does that involve? To me? Yeah. Well, to me, um, it means being being healthy enough and feeling well enough to be able to interact with um, my family, which comes first. Um, It means being okay with laying in bed and watching a silly movie with all five of us piled in on one bed. Mm -hmm. Um, That's primary food. Yeah. That's great primary food. (laughs) Puppy pile. It means being able to walk in nature and totally feel what it means to be outside. To smell the air, see the sun, look at the birds. It really means being really present to the things that are in my life that make me feel really good. Because you talk about pleasure. I do. Being really important. And pleasure during cancer. Yes. Which I totally get. I was making sure I was having fun in the most unfun time because I needed it. Well, the year after um, I was finished with my treatments, my mantra for the whole entire next year was, was it fun? So if somebody was asking me to do something, mm. it would be like, well, can I have fun? Um, if I was folding laundry, it would be like, how can I make this fun? Mm. I found fun in every single thing I did. Every single thing you did, you found fun. Yes. And it's not that hard to do. No. It, you just have to kind of... What, how, how can you advise someone to find fun in the most grumpiest moments of their yeah, life? Yeah, it's a mindset change. Mm-hmm. It's looking for the fun. Instead of looking at the drudgery, yeah. it's looking for the fun part. And believe me, like for fun, for folding five people's laundry in my house, <laughs> which is still something that I really don't enjoy, I get to watch the Real Housewives of whatever while I'm doing it. So, so that's important because I also realized that when I wasn't having fun, um, I can feel my body acidulating, bubbling up feeling negative and and that's not that's definitely not a good place for healing no no that's a great place for cancer to throw a party well they you know i'm really really lucky in that i have three kids who so get me and Mm. like call me on my stuff all the time and if i if i'm running late 
and you know I'm behind a slow person and I'm yelling and cursing my uh-huh. kids call me out on it all the she's time she's human yeah <laughs> and I love that it's like these constant reminders of mom this really is okay we can be a few minutes late or relax stop cursing at that car wow thank god for these kids they yeah. are they are like your assistants they are so you have coined this term CEO of your body yeah Oh, tell me about that. Well, you know, when you are first diagnosed, you know, it's so easy just to get sucked up into the system, right? Right. I mean, I, I don't need to even go into detail on that. I, I think everybody knows that the healthcare in America here isn't, you know, great. And, you know, if you're diagnosed with a horrible disease, you just kind of go in blindly, right? Like, oh, my God, like, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to do every single thing, whatever this doctor says. Um, but right after I was diagnosed, which uh, let me just tell you that my dog found my cancer. Your dog found your cancer. My dog found my cancer. Zoe, the wonder dog. Oh, how did your dog find your cancer? We, I had a regular breast exam, uh, for my OBGYN, a regular yearly exam, which I went to right around my birthday, which is in November. And he gave me the prescription for a mammogram and um, an ultrasound because I have dense breasts. And after I I got the prescription, I said I'm going to go in January after the holidays when things quiet down. And I was lying down on my couch sometime in early December, and I never lay down on my couch lengthwise. Mm-hmm. And I had my hands behind my head, and my little 15-pound dog came up on me and started pawing at the upper left-hand side of my breast. And it was enough that like these little alarms were going off in my head saying, mm-hmm. hold on, what's going on here? And I, I pushed her off, and I just started feeling around where she was. And I felt a little lump, and I describe it like a little BB. It wasn't something that was so alarming. Mm. I felt it, but I've also breastfed three kids, and to me it felt like a clogged milk duct. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't breastfeeding kids. My kids were much older at that point. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the alarms went off in my head, but I still didn't think much of it because I was the healthy girl. Right. I was not one of the ones that got cancer. So when I went to have my mammogram... Then she came back and said, all clear. And I thought, great, it really was nothing. Until I went in for an ultrasound, and that's where they found the lump. Your dog. Wow. My dog. Amazing. I'm actually trying to envision that, and it's really, really wild to me. But they know. They do know. Now, why did the healthy girl who was eating healthy food get cancer you think yeah god you know i use this line often and I, I you know i use it to tell myself it too that not just one thing gave me cancer and not just one thing cured me of cancer mm-hmm. and i truly believe that um i mean for my cancer treatments i mean they ran both traditional and alternative and I've been in therapy, I've done hypnotherapy, I've done angel therapy, I mean, you've named it, I've done it um, alternative-wise besides, you know, massage and supplements and herbs and enemas and 
Uh, you name it, I've done it. Pretty much I've done it. Well, let's talk about how your nourishment and your food has changed since your diagnosis and life after cancer. So how do you eat and what do you eat and how do you prepare it? Yeah, well, that's still a struggle for me. It's something that, I mean, I eat better than I think, you know, 99% of the people that eat in America. Um, Could it be better? Yeah. Could I be getting uh, more greens in my diet? Yeah. But now is the time for greens. We're in the springtime. Mm-hmm. Now you start craving those greens and, and more raw salads after coming out of winters. Um, I do a smoothie every morning that's non-negotiable. What's in your smoothie? <laughs> okay. Um, I use, uh, I use a, uh, a product called Rock and Wellness that I absolutely love, which is a raw, organic, vegan um, powder that had everything that I was putting into my smoothie in the morning. Anyway, um, I use uh, blueberries, raspberries, greens, um, flax, flaxseed oil. Now, do you tend to make sure that everything is organic, or what's your leeway on that? Well, for the morning smoothie, everything has to be organic. Mm-hmm. Because I do have it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my food is organic um, as much as possible. Every opportunity that I have to choose the food is organic. Mm-hmm. Um, I do eat out, and that's not always organic. Mm-hmm. Um, but my diet's pretty clean. What are your favorite post-cancer things to eat? My, I do love my smoothie. I do. Um and I'm a lot more plant-based food now than I was before. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't eat a lot of meat. And that's really just because it's really hard to get good quality meat. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I don't like it or, or any of those things. It's just too difficult to get. What about this broccoli pill in your book? Okay. <laughs> the, the broccoli pill, um, which I was really against doing, taking so many supplements because I really believed that I could get it in my food until my practitioners explained to me that the one broccoli pill was like over 100 broccolis in the one pill. And then I kind of understood, okay, I, I can't uh. eat that. But in order to get the, the micronutrients from it, I could take the supplement. I mean, I wonder, because I tend to eat more whole food, plant-based food, for the majority of what I eat. Yes. Um, So that means in a pill form, would all these, you know, the top 20 antioxidant foods, I would rather have them in the food form, though. Well, I try to do both, but Uh um, the food source, the food quality, isn't nearly as good. Um, as some of the supplements that I can get into me on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, not that I want to have any small red beans pills. (laughs) Exactly. But my seaweed is in a pill Uh because I just can't get enough seaweed in the day. The iodine, that is in pill form. So what are the things that you feel now that you've learned from your process? And I'm sure I'll agree. The foods to avoid and the behaviors to avoid. Mm. Well, the food to avoid, obviously, is fast food. I mean, we really avoid packaged foods as much as possible in our house. And if it is packaged, I'm really, um, really uh, 
mindful of how many ingredients are in the packaged food. Mm-hmm. Um, I really try no more than five ingredients. Um, same for my kids. My kids are, are healthy eaters. Um, the big thing for me is stress mm-hmm. and um, worry. Stress and worry. Stress and worry. So I'm glad you said that. Not that I'm glad you had stress and worry. But in all of the conversations I've had with women when I asked them, what was going on in your life preceding your diagnosis? And I found the common thread to be prolonged stress and sustained heartbreak. Yeah. Was the common story. And I realized, okay, so whatever that does to your nervous system, which then affects your immune system and then your sleep and your joy, uh, it's all a great breeding ground for illness, period. I told my doctors at Sloan Kettering about that, and they said, yeah, that's pretty cool. (laughs) That's pretty pretty accurate, you know? And it, it doesn't matter how organic or how clean I was eating if I was walking around feeling miserable about things. Yeah. I remember I had on my wall in my kitchen, right by one of my one of my uh, Tupperwares, was a list of the di- the dirty dozen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the clean, clean fifteen. 15. <laughs> the dirty dozen. So, like, let's let's talk about that. What's the dirty dozen? For those who don't know, the dirty dozen are a listings of food that are highly toxic. So you want to buy organic, and we're talking about apples, celery. Uh, bell peppers, peaches, strawberries, nectarines, grapes, spinach, lettuce, cucumbers, and blueberries, and potatoes. And that might have uh, kind of t- some vegetables might have come in and come out. That list is kind of old, um, but it's there about. And they're toxic because? They're toxic because they have chemicals on them, whether it is a pesticide or they're grown in dirt that has had pesticides. It's, they're not a clean food. And the clean 15, though, those would be? Those would be onions, sweet corn, um, pineapples, avocado, cabbage, sweet peas, asparagus, mangoes, eggplant, kiwi, cantaloupe, sweet potatoes, grapefruit, watermelon, mushrooms. Gosh, that they all sound really, really good. Let's... <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Mushroom surprises me because it's from the ground and you think. But if no one is spraying pesticide on it. Yeah. You know, that's why I'm, I'm really looking forward to going to Cuba. Mm. I was told that the pesticide situation is not like the pesticide situation here. In fact, most food is organic. Yeah. So I'm very curious. And they said that food tastes so much better there, too. I'm, I'm going to find out. So Redefining Healthy, again, the name of your book, and available on Amazon, is it? Um, well, the Redefining Healthy is the website oh, name. The website, okay. Um, who the knows? Health- there might be a new book coming okay. out. The Healthy Girl's Guide to Breast Cancer. That's available right. um, Online, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those great places. And what does Redefining Healthy mean? Mm. It means that we can feel healthy in our bodies no matter what is going on. No matter what is going on. Yeah, and I say that because I was healthy even though I had cancer. Mm. I felt healthy. Mm. And health is all about a feeling. Mm. And I was determined to keep that feeling even while undergoing cancer treatments. Right. 
Let's talk more about that because that's a very cool mindset to feel healthy even though you're going through treatment. Yeah. Because feeling like you're broken while you're going through treatment doesn't help treatment. No, which brings in that pleasure that we had talked about earlier. Because we want pleasure. We want pleasure. Pleasure heals. So what was it like with your family going through your treatment and diagnosis? And did they change the way they eat as well? or? Um, they've always been healthy, but they're on a whole new level now, mm-hmm. like me, of um, really really avoiding sugars at all cost. Um, I have one vice left from pre-cancer to still now a cup of coffee every day. Oh, um, that's a delicious vice. That is a delicious <laughs> vice. <laughs> that's a vice I don't mind. Well, okay. Well, let's talk about why that could possibly not be good for Because us. I put a sugar in it. Every, yeah. I was going to I was going to add that on. Um but yeah, um, put it this way. I had I went round and round about the coffee um, because I really enjoy it. If I had a client come to me and say, "Listen, I do this one thing every day. It's pretty small. I I only drink about eight ounces of it, but I love it, and I get such joy uh-huh, out of it, uh-huh. and it makes my face light up, and it gets me out of bed, and I'm with my community because I go to my local place every morning, and yeah. there's a whole ritual around it, and it brings me out of my bed, and it gets me moving, and it gets me social." But I know I shouldn't have it. Should I stop all that? I would say no. Does it bring you joy? And it's like out of everything that you do, it's really not that bad, which is why I still do it. I think that that's key. It's so key that if it brings you joy, then it's a good thing in your toolbox. Yes. Right? Yeah. And you talk about your toolbox, your lifestyle toolbox, and your diet toolbox. I do. I do. Um, well, my big thing that women love to hear is about hitting the pause button in the middle of the day which means stop and slow down right we all run at 100 miles per hour all day long yeah we do but what if i gave you permission to like just hit that pause button and sit quietly whether it's for five minutes or ten minutes now i know old cynthia would feel panic (laughs) yes at you suggesting that and you cynthia was like yeah how long can i hold it paused <laughs> yes i i love how you refer to yourself like that because i do the same exact thing old cynthia had so much guilt yes about pausing pleasure yeah i guess i was i was feeling really guilty about you know pleasure yes why that sounds so messed up new cynthia says that's really messed up i know it's still a struggle believe me that whole idea of pleasure and slowing down and really enjoying things. It's a struggle. It, I work at it. I'm really good at it now, mm-hmm. but it's still something that I work at. Yeah, and I think that when you can balance the, you know, it has just become for me all about balance and not perfectionism. Yes. That's huge for me. Yeah. So if I'm out and having great primary food with friends, I'm not really going to stress myself out on how perfectly not organic or organic this meal is. Yeah. Because then I'm not being a good social piece of the pie there. No, no. (laughs) And I'm going home feeling guilty. That's right. Which is worse in your body, um, digestion-wise, taking in the nutrients of the food, Right. Um, Then it would be if you just went out and enjoyed yourself. 
Now, I'm not condoning this lifestyle, but I do know someone who is 86. She eats like a hot dog a day. Yeah, well, my grandmother swears <laughs> by Pepsi and happy. candy. And she's super happy. Yeah. And I, I just look at her and I'm like, wow, well, what's what? what do you have that is missing from me? And I realize it's the other way around. I had guilt and she didn't have it. Mm. So guilt about food. Let's talk about that because yeah. that's a big one. It, it's still like, it's still an issue for me, but like I said, I'm, I'm working at it. I'm aware of it. Um, like I said, I tried to eat as many healthy things because it makes me feel better. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. It's not that I don't choose to eat this and this. It's because I know how my body's going to feel. Yeah. Whether it's an hour after that, the next morning, and the next day. Yeah, I think that's super important. And that's I feel that same way when I'm doing other types of non-food things that nourish me. Like if I jam with friends, play lots of music, I feel really good. Yeah. For the next day or two or the whole week. Yeah. And I was really lacking that, even though I was eating really healthy food. Yeah. So it, it kind of, you know, I got the fuller picture of what does healthy mean? Yeah. Well, healthy in my world also means having a really good relationship with my husband. Yeah, of course. Um, and my three kids. Yeah. And that's key. And having a really good relationship with your boss. Yeah. And everything like that. Because it's not healthy to stay in these stressful situations where you know you're not happy. Yeah. So that is also part of redefining healthy. Yes. I love your um, inside book jacket flap. You have a few interesting words here. Like Cancer stories usually start with some kind of struggle or fight. But this story starts with a song. Yes. So those lyrics? <laughs> the lyrics are you may ask yourself well how did I get here you may say to yourself my god what have I done it's a very familiar song yes it is so let's talk about that moment when you came across those lyrics or they came across you well I am not kidding I literally pulled up to the first day of radiation and that song came on yeah and, and what happened I so did not want to go um, get out of the car and walk in because it really was the first um, part of traditional cancer care that I was going to and uh, I was afraid I was afraid of um, I was afraid of the people the people? I was afraid of the people Ah, which people? the, the patients in the waiting room the patients? the patients in the waiting room okay. was a big thing for me why? That's so interesting. Because I was not sick like they were. Interesting. Yes. So did you interact with patients after all? I did. And? But it took me a while. Huh. It really did. Um, and a big part of that, like I said before, I was really conscious of where my energy went. Mm -hmm. And I could not be around somebody who was going to be complaining Mm -hmm. or uncomfortable with their situation, mm -hmm. I could not take that on. I was doing the best for Christine. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the best for Christine meant not interacting with people and sure. being in my own little bubble. Sure. And it was going to be a hard thing walking into that radiation waiting area. 
How was your? How long was your radiation treatment? I did thirty-three treatments. So that's I, long. Yeah, that's. I think it's like the six weeks or thereabout. And that was post uh, post surgery. That was post surgery, post chemo, post chemo. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't need to get radiation because they just took my breast. That's right. <laughs> so there's nothing to radiate. And I said, okay, I'll skip that part. But everything else was pretty hardcore, chemo yeah. itself. How was chemo for you? Well, I did an um, alternative type of chemo. Um, okay. I did um, a low-dose chemotherapy um, with um, called insulin-potentiated therapy, which is basically you go to the... Um, session to your treatment fasting and um, you're given all the same like pre-drugs like you would for regular cancer treatment regular chemo treatment all those um, I can't even remember anymore like the um, like the Benadryl or whatever yeah the steroids steroids, um, on a much lower dose and then you're given a shot of insulin and yeah and you wait for your blood sugar levels to drop to a therapeutic dose. Uh, and then you're given the chemotherapy drugs. What is the reason for that? So the rationale behind it is that, um, you know, the cancer cells are more receptive to the chemotherapy when drugs. When they're hungry. Mm. And then... After you're given all the drugs, all your chemotherapy drugs, then uh, you eat and drink and have your blood sugar levels return to normal. And then I did um, IV vitamin C drips after that. Yeah, that sounds familiar to me. Yeah. (laughs) You brought me back to a time where I was having my green smoothies at least once a day. I was eating very healthfully. No dairy, no meat, Mm -hmm. but getting sicker and more tired. And actually, I realized when I look back that I think I did, I did vegan and vegetarian kind of wrong Mm because I was basically fruitarian. I ate, I I should say, I drank so much fruit. I don't even know how many servings a day of fruit, Mm -hmm. easily five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten servings of fruit a day thinking, well, you know, it's healthy. But it happened to be feeding my very sugar-hungry, very fructose-hungry, triple-positive mm-hmm. breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And in all that time, I thought it was healthy. Mm-hmm. So when you say redefining healthy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's big for me. And for somebody else, that may be their version of healthy and be perfectly fine with it. Yeah. Well, it I just, wasn't. <laughs> right. It just didn't work for you and it didn't work for me. No. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny because you and I came from the same healthy boat and we're like, what, yeah. what went wrong here? Yeah. <laughs> so there, is, there are stories, unfortunately, of people who are, quote, eating healthy, but still experiencing what we did. So we have to really drum in to people's heads. It's like, it's more than just what you eat. Yes. Yeah. And now I'm on that mission to get that through people's head. Yeah. So where does that start? So it's lifestyle. It's, it's let's lifestyle. Go through that. It's, it's finding pleasure. It's having more fun. Pausing. Pausing. Meditation. Meditation. Um, cooking. Like the actual act of act cooking. Of cooking yeah. Not just cooking. eating. <laughs> Eating's great. <laughs> right. But actually preparing the food, and um, now we do it as much as we can as a family, uh-huh. um, which is a big 
you know, that, that that's something we do together. Well, talk about that. Uh, preparing food with family. I actually didn't really grow up with that. That was uh, lacking. So I kind of had to learn how to prepare my food in my adulthood. Yeah, that was the same as same thing for me. Uh-huh. But now I have kids that know how to cook and know where food comes from and know how to shop a supermarket and where to what to avoid and they've become very picky as to what food and who we buy it from and uh-huh. what it looks like and what it tastes like and yeah, they understand that love goes into the food. Love goes into the food. Oh, we'll talk about that more because I love that. Yeah, well, um, if you think about it and you're out and the cook is um, really angry and mm. yelling and not happy to be where they are, that energetic energy gets into my food. Mm-hmm. And if I can cook with my family with love... Mm-hmm. As much love, they're still yelling, and there might even be fighting as we're <laughs> chopping and cutting, but it's still a loving environment. That goes into the food, that whole essence of love. Like and water caring. for chocolate. Like water for chocolate. <laughs> now, do you have any interesting stories about people and women you've affected with your writing and your outlook and what you have to share? Yeah, you know. I am still shocked. I really am. And I really mean this when people come up to me and they come up to me all the time and tell me how much my book helped them. Wow. And I'm, I still like, I'm still like this little kid, like, really? Really? You really <laughs> liked it? Like, there's really something you got out of it? I, a woman just came up to me. Um, like two days ago and saw me in my town and came right up to me and she's like, "Uh, you're the woman that wrote that book. And I was like, "Uh, uh uh-huh. She's (laughs) like, I have to tell you how much it helped me. Like, I didn't know that I could ask questions at the doctor's office. I didn't know that I was allowed to go for a second and third opinion. I didn't know those things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that you put it to words, as I have been doing also, because some of your chapter headings resonate with me so clearly, like chapter six, things you have to deal with when you have cancer, also known as the crappy parts of cancer. Yeah. It's like to put that into words for someone who unfortunately might have gotten diagnosed and can read and say, well, what might I experience? Or for someone who experienced it and can look back and say, oh, you experienced the same. Mm. There's a solidarity there yeah. that's really healing. Yeah. And even though this is a really shitty club that yeah. no one really wants to be in, it's nice to have people like you in it with me. Aww. I mean, I mean that. Well, I mean, when I was going through cancer um, and I went to my local bookstore there was nothing but scary stuff out there. Sure. Yeah. And I didn't want... The only um, book that was out there that was hopeful at the time mm-hmm. um, was Chris Carr's books, mm-hmm. uh, Crazy Sexy Cancer. And um, I forget uh, his name. Um, it, it, it's in the back of the book. There was like a... Um, I'll have to look. Uh, there were like two positive uh, cancer books out there. Um, there aren't many. No. Oh, it was um, Anti-Cancer, A New Way of Life. Okay. Um, that was about it. There was really nothing in the alternative cancer field, which is now so much bigger. Um, and it's interesting to hear that this is alternative. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah why yeah. should humanity 
and understanding balance, which is basic, be an alternative teaching? Yeah, or why should we think that just because you give someone chemotherapy drugs is going to cure them of what gave them cancer in the first place? Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it's a a whole entire um, body approach, not just a one approach, a one drug approach. Yeah, and it's not just in the medication. It's also in things you do outside of the hospital, like rituals. Yeah. I mean, name some rituals. I had some myself. You have a few. Well, I was going to say that um, one of the things that we did, um, my kids helped me do during radiation was we left sticky notes in the radiation dressing room. Oh, what did those sticky notes say? uh, Some of them were, uh, don't look back, you're not going that way. Um, Hmm. Do your best and forget the rest. Um, don't tell me the sky's the limit when there are footprints on the moon. Ooh. So every day my kids would come up with a different inspirational quote for me to write in the Sharpie and leave on a post-it note on the mirror in the dressing room. And you're sure, I mean, I'm sure they were received. I don't know, but that's the I beauty the of it. Feeling. It's like, I don't know who <laughs> came after me. That's the, that's the, the fun part of it. Well, the sad thing is someone came after you. Yeah. Well, yeah. And whoever came after you did see that. Yeah. And um, I'm sure wondered who did it and has kept it. Yeah. Has, I'm sure. I, I, I walked into one of my exam rooms and there was a bit of, there was a uh, short-stemmed flower. Mm. I was like, oh, that's so for me. I wish they left me some food. <laughs> I'm so hungry. <laughs> So what else do you do to nourish yourself? Uh, You know, you can talk about secondary food, real food food, and activity food, creativity. Mm. What else do you do to balance? Um, Well, I do run. Ah. Yeah. My running is my meditation. Okay. Yeah. My being outside in nature is huge for me. Yeah, that's like one of those really good grounding things for me. Going to the beach, I live right by the water. Um, That is my perfect place. And obviously, a big piece of your primary food is storytelling. Storytelling. Like telling us right now the story about the pink bagel. Oh, (laughs) oh. Um, the pink bagel. One of my um, one of the places that I would write would be Panera um, in my neighborhood. I would leave my house every day from nine to twelve to write my book. And um, one of the times I was writing in Panera, and during October, during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and a woman um, from the store came up to me with a big basket in front of her, walking around with this basket with these pink bagels in individual um, plastic bags. Pink bagels in plastic bags. In plastic bags. And asked me if um, I wanted to donate. And uh, at first I just said, no, no, no. But then she kept coming over. Like, I might have been there for maybe an hour, if that, and just kept coming over. It was like bullying me. And I finally gave in. To a pink bagel. To a pink bagel, oh which my. is totally against every single thing that I'm about. And then when I got it, and I, with no intention of eating it, really put two and two together of what this was really about. Like, am I, not only are they selling bagels, which is a, you know, 
refined carbohydrate, which really has no nutritional value, um, and pink with the, the food dye, and then in plastic, all in the name of cancer, really got me going. That's just all kinds of misalignment. Yes. Right there. Yeah. And I think that that is, you know, it happens because of what's it called? The pink washing of things. Yes. To teach people about cancer awareness using things that aren't really helpful. No. For cancer whatsoever. Well, do you have any closing thoughts or any ideas to share before we call it a day? Well, I love giving women permission to feel healthy no matter what's going on and to find health in joyful and unexpected ways. Um, And I think the more women, the more opportunities to share that message and give women permission to feel healthy no matter what, Mm -hmm. I think it really will start a revolution of happier women Happier moms, happier wives, happier workers, happier people that you pass on the street. This needs that your book needs to be sold at the hospital. (laughs) I think so. Well, if you pick up a copy of Christine Egan's book, The Healthy Girl's Guide to Breast Cancer, you're going to get a lot of permission. Yes. You're going to get a lot of tips, a lot of advice on how to handle pre and post uh, diagnosis. Yeah. And you're going to get a bunch of recipes. Yep. Yeah. Meals and smoothies and everything else. In yeah, it. it reads like a diary. It it reads like a note that I would be passing to you with what was going on today. That's wonderful. And your favorite recipe in the book? Um, oh, so many. I'm a big soups person. <laughs> so, um, And soups are just such a great way to get so many healthy things in it. Right. Um, I, I love the soups, the cabbage soup. I mean, I'm thinking cabbage because cabbage is right now, the lentil soup that's in there, um, and then, of course, all the smoothies. Okay, I'm going to make some cabbage soup tonight. Pick up this book, make some soup. We're going to call it a day. This was Primary Food with Christine Walsh Egan and Cynthia Cherish Mallorin. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.